You're listening to Bantering the Blue Shirts. This is a podcast that happens every single week where I, Joe Fortunato, am joined by my co-host... Me. Uh, Michael Murphy, who... Me, Murphy. ...talks about the Rangers. We talk about Rangers hockey, New York Rangers football hockey. The Rangers, the New York Rangers football hockey. Let's do that hockey. Soccer club. Um, today's a surprise. Surprise. It's Tuesday at 8.14. Um, and we were kind of punished with Jimmy VC a few weeks ago because VC's deal happened literally moments after we recorded the podcast. Now, Jeff Gordon signed Shea, Hayes, and Spooner all before this podcast. It's like a gift. Yeah, he did us so, a solid, but also it's like we have too much show this week. Well, right so now we have too much to talk about. There's there's a lot there's to talk too about. too much show. Um, boy, there's just so much to take in. Mike and I, oh, by Mike and I, I mean really Mike, because he's the only one that plans for the show, planned out that we'll talk about Hayes last because there's just so much to unpack there. Yeah, there's um, a, lot of, a lot of mixed feelings about uh, Hayes getting a one-year deal there, Joe. There's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of... Some things, yeah, particularly interesting things. Um, so let's talk Shay first because Spooner, Spooner will be like the the cream of the Oreo, if you will, of this, this podcast. Let's start with um, so Shay is the first domino to fall, Ranger mm-hmm. style. He signs a five year, or excuse me, a six, six year, year. Terrible start, Joe. $5.25 million deal. Him and Mika Zibanejad are the only two New York Rangers, as of this podcasting, signed beyond the year 2021. So yep. that is an enormous flexibility. Just powerhouse contract situation that we'll get into maybe next week. I don't even know if we'll have time this week. Um, but Shea signed six years, $5.25 million. Mike, I want your thoughts. I want all of them. Just throw them at me. I think most people are concerned that it's an overpay. But considering how much cap space the Rangers have and that the cap has gone up, you know, I, we talked a lot about just like give them essentially the Ryan McDonough deal, right? Like that. That made a lot of sense on paper. You know, McDonough's deal was 4.7 over six years when he signed it as a as a 24-year-old. And uh, Shea signed his, dears, his deal as a 24-year-old, six years, $5.25 million. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe another 250 k more than you might expect. We were all kind of hoping and expecting he might come in at five or under five. I was kind of hoping that would be the case, but... You know, it's a this is a pretty clear signal from Gordon and the front office that this is a guy they want to be in the top four for the next half dozen years. Uh, I I really don't mind this. Is it a little bit of an overpay? Sure, but you know we talked last week a lot about you know what's like the worst case scenario for Brady Shea, and the worst case scenario is that he'll be you know a pretty solid guy for the second pair. I mean, he's big, he can skate. So I'm okay with it. Are you good with it, Joe? 
I think I agree with you in the sense that it is an overpay. Um, there's certainly aspects of it that are surprising. The fact that it's six years is, is a pleasant surprise. The fact that the Rangers aren't going to bridge him and they're moving forward with this ideology that you need to take a risk on talent is surprising. Both of those things in a good way. The modified um, no trade in the last three years. Yeah, the, and that's yeah. nothing to be alarmed at. If the Rangers have to make a decision on Shea, that, that's easy to kind of get around. What I think the the real concern comes from for Shea, and, and interestingly enough, if you look at Blue Shirt Banter and the commenters and people on Twitter and Facebook, the party lines are kind of reversed from what you would expect. A lot of people wanted Shea to get a one or two year show me contract. And I was really against that. And it, it, what people don't seem to understand is plain and simple, as blunt as I can be, NHL general managers are stupid. They're dumb people. Tom Wilson, yes, that Tom Wilson got a six-year, $5.1 million a year contract from the Washington Capitals for a magical 16-point playoff performance. He is a 0.26 point-per-game player in the NHL, and he got that big of a contract. The reason why I'm telling you this is because if Brady Shea replicates his freshman year offensive production of 39 points, which is not a ridiculous ask, not at Under all. Quinn, he's going to get actual leadership. He's going to get actual development. He's going to get a constant partner and a constant role. We debated this on the last podcast. I think he's going to get power play time. But regardless, Shea had a 97% PDO last year, and he only had 25 points. If Shea is a 39-point defenseman when he comes off the show-me deal as a 26-year-old, which is what he would be if he signed a two-year deal with the Rangers— a player like that gets six to six and a half to maybe crazy money from NHL teams. So this insinuation that the Rangers only saved a couple of hundred thousand dollars by locking Shea up long term is it's a narrative. I don't know how to describe it to you. Is Tom it totally Florida. is it totally possible that Shea just doesn't turn into what we think he is? I, yes, it is. Yeah. But I don't think the Shea we saw his rookie year is ridiculous. He had a 102 PDO, sure. But I don't think that's a ridiculous ask for him. No, He's I, getting I, better. Go ahead. I, no, I, 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 don't blame, I don't blame the people who would have preferred to see you know, the, a one-year deal or a bridge deal because you know, it was a sophomore season last season. And we've talked about it. You just got to throw out the whole season, really, for, for him and a lot of the guys there, which is tough because we're also trying to evaluate him right we're trying to evaluate which of these guys you know the Pionks and the the John Gilmore's like who who can actually be a part of the team you know the Rob O'Gara's and I look at that as like yeah I understand if you want to throw that year out and you want a show a show me year from Shea and I also understand you know that the Rangers particularly on the left side already have a ton of prospects on the blue line I mean that's like a, a position of strength from an organizational standpoint right now is the prospects coming up on that left side. You know, there, there's a lot of a lot of little things to be excited about, but I still, even with all that considered, I still find myself being perfectly okay with this deal. This is, you know, he's the right sort of guy to to start 
as like not a foundational guy but a part of the core you know like he's not the guy you build the blue line around and that's why he's not you know a seven million dollar eight million dollar player but he's a he's a guy who i think will end up being you know like a third and a like on the depth chart like a third defenseman and you know, on the first pair with Shattenkirk next year, that that's fine for me. L- let let him have a frequent defensive partner. Tom wrote that great story um, about you know Shea and, and how crazy it was with how many partners he had, and you know just looking into all that and trying to understand like what what the hell happened here, as you pointed out as PDO, and you know there's a lot of factors that made Brady Shea look both in terms of, you know, analytics and to the eye test look like, you know, a fish out of water last season after his great rookie year, but I'm not that concerned. He has, we've seen what he looks like when he's on his game. He has all the tools. Um, Is it a risk? Of course it's a risk, but I feel like even if he doesn't pan out, he's going to be a second pair D. And to me, the worst case scenario is is that he's like a number four guy, but I'm not even too concerned about that happening. I think he's, you know, he's a well above average NHL defenseman, and he's he's 24, and he's only played two seasons of NHL hockey, so we're still trying to figure out what he really is. You know, he is 24, but just remember, it's it's two seasons of NHL hockey. So when we look at those. You know, if you go to Cap Friendly and you, you dig around those comparables and you get an idea of, you know, other guys who have similar deals. And, you know, I, I weighted the, uh, you know, the comparables tool to the signing date similarity and as, you know, kind of so we could talk about more recent deals. Like everyone, you know, Shane in particular, I know she was on the the Blue Shirts Breakaway podcast. She talked about hoping for Gostaspear, like a deal like Gostaspear's deal, right? Where it was six years at $4.5 million. And of course, right now, that looks like a huge deal. And we would have been jumping for joy if Shea signed that deal. But, you know, last last offseason, Dmitry Orlov, $5.1 million. Uh, Pareko last offseason, $5.5 million for a five-year deal. Jacob Slavin, uh, you know, last, last offseason, a, a seven-year deal. For 5.3 million, I mean, all those guys, you know, with the exception of probably Orlov, are guys you'd rather have over than Brady Shea. But you know, that's that's kind of what these young guys are getting right now that are not getting the bridge deal. You you sign them and you lock them up, and if they're a top four guy, they they get in the five million range. Like that's just what happens now. And and that's the risk, right? Is that if you're upset with this deal, you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, Shea really isn't going to be that much more expensive." But like I said, I I disagree with you because mm-hmm. the reality of the situation is defensemen who are 26 years old who are, have 40 points, and again, we're kind of projecting Shea to be that rookie year type player. Those guys do not oh, fall so. off of trees. And the more important point is that if the Rangers took a gamble here, right, and they did, let's be honest, and Shea is a number four defenseman, he's a slightly overpaid number four defenseman. Can you find, you know, number four defensemen that are cheaper than $4 million? Of course you can. But yeah. if Shea kind of solidifies himself as a solid second pair guy, uh, yeah, it's an overpay. You're not talking Girardi or Stahl level overpay. Yeah, Shea's going to be 30 when his deal ends. He's not going to lose his legs by then. He's not going to lose his speed, his elusiveness. There's a lot of things to like about Shea. And if you believe in the school of thought that there's really been no development for these young players under the thumb of Vigneault, and I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say, 
then the best is yet to come from Brady Shea. And if for whatever reason he becomes a 45 or a 50-point guy, and I'm not saying he will, you're just omitting that risk. There's no need to take the risk with Shea. You don't give a guy like Shea a show-me contract if you can help it. Now, would I have liked to see this deal in the upper fours? Yes, I absolutely oh, yeah. would have. <laughs> yeah, but, I would have loved to see it. Yes, it would have been absolutely wonderful. I'm not telling you there's no risk here. I'm just telling you it's not worth like throwing your – there were four billion comments about how stupid this was. Uh, I don't. I don't buy into that no, when, that yeah. theory. I get it. Market, it's a risk. It's not that bad. It's really no, I mean, not that bad. It's Calvin DeHaan got what like four and a quarter or something, and the only reason he didn't get more was because he's coming off surgery. He's a minute eating defenseman in with the Islanders. Not a ton of offense out of him. I, I think Shea has pretty good metrics, and a lot of people are pointing to last year to be like, well, look, this is not. Look at what you're getting, but you, you you almost can't accept it because you you're talking about a guy who was in a very unfavorable situation. Yeah, and everybody is knows crucial it. Crucial with especially when we talk about analytics and to to understand what that defense was like and how poorly Vigneault did in terms of just you know not just the strategy part of it, but the way he deployed his defenders, you know, the, he didn't put anyone really in a position to succeed is the bottom line. Like, it sounds like a dramatic statement, but no one on that blue line was put into a position to succeed. Um, and Shea, above all else, you know, especially when Shattenkirk got knocked out of the lineup, you know, he, it was it was pretty grim in terms of he was asked to be, you know, close to superhuman and, you know... At being asked to to play in that role when you know he's changing his defensive partner every three games is is asking a lot for a guy who's in his second year in the NHL and in a contract year. Like, you know, it, I, I I do appreciate the fact that his numbers weren't great and that he had a you know a, like an unsustainable PDO in that first year. But again, the, the it, you have like you have to look at the full picture. Look at both seasons and understand that that in reality he's somewhere. It's not just that he's somewhere in the middle of those two performances. It's much more likely that he's closer to the guy we saw in the rookie year because of the chaos of that blue line last year, right? Like, you have to acknowledge the influence of of just that horrible garbage tire fire that was that was the Rangers' defense. It, it's it dragged everyone down. It made Ryan McDonough look awful and he was playing awful everyone looked awful you know like mark Stahl looked okay but that says just how bad things were like mark Stahl's head was above the water you know i i I get that the rangers are betting on the freshman year shea but the detractors of this deal are betting on the sophomore year shea yeah and the rangers the there's a risk with every long-term contract right there's a semblance of risk for everything but there's more risk to me that Shea proves that he can get overpaid by the market than there is that Shea proves that he's massively overpaid. And at the end of the day, I think Gordon saw it the same way, and he signed Shea long term. The people who are upset about this, who are kicking and screaming, who are going crazy, if this contract really turns out to be that bad, there is always a market for reclamation projects of a 27 or 28-year-old defenseman who could skate like the wind. He was a first round pick. Yeah. I would not be overly concerned about this deal at all. The Rangers could get out of it if they have to, and I don't think they're gonna have to. So I get it, there's a risk, I understand. I totally appreciate 
thinking to yourself, wow, I would have rathered it be quite a bit cheaper because I am the same way, but it's not worth getting worked up about. It's really not. No, I don't think it's that it's big not. of a deal. And you're locking down somebody who could be one of your better defensemen for a long time. You have Shattenkirk and you have Shea, and that's really it on that blue line right now. And furthermore, you need those guys, right? You're going to have all these kids around. You know, the, Show the them other, the way, Michael. Yeah, show yeah, them the Show you know, them the way. On the magical flying carpet. I will show you the world. Vigno can't hurt you anymore. David Quinn is here and he's going to get to know you. That was pretty good. That was, I didn't want to say anything. I just wanted to see how long you would do that. I, I had more, but I figured the people were done with it. So We're trying to convince people to see us live in New York. You're right, at the Forum. So August 25th, I'm going to remind you again at the end of the show, but oh, 825 God. at the Damn. Forum, you can come see me and Michael. I am going to have an anxiety attack, and Mike will be taking care of me. So Yeah, that's the way that'll happen. So that's the way that that's going. Uh, I'm starting to look forward to it, to be honest with you. You yeah. should be. It's going to be a good time. Um, there are tickets left. Not a ton of tickets, but tickets left. So uh, go and purchase them. It's $20, and that includes a free beer. And then you get to throw things at me because you don't want to see me, but you do want to see Mike. So that'll be wonderful. Um, all right. Do we have anything else with Shay? No, I don't think so. I'm sure we're going to talk about him more later in the summer. But obviously, we have we've just got so much show, Joe. We got so many things to get into. Should I peruse the comments and see if there's any questions about Shay? No. And tie it in. No, we if, do it all at the end. If you were if you were good at this, you would have done that before the show. Yeah, began. but we know you knew that that wasn't happening. You could have so. done it while you were in the the waiting room at the dentist, which is where you were today. But, but I, I really, I wasn't in the waiting room all that long. I was in the chair rather than the room. Well, how many questions could there possibly be? We have more questions than we've ever gotten. God damn it. By like a, a wide margin. All right, so we move well, on to... I have to... a question for you. Okay. I, I know we have a very full show, but this is important to me. When you were a kid at the dentist, did your dentist have like, a, like those little water games where... You held it in your hands and you pressed the buttons, right? And it would push air into this water thing and it would, like, launch rings in this little, like, sea monkey's tank. I, I know what you're talking about, but the answer is no. Oh. Whatever happened to those? Those fell out of favor. They did fall out of favor. I don't know. I have no idea. I do remember playing them, though. But, I yeah. mean, like... I remember playing them at the dentist. Yeah, that was our childhood though these days yeah. kids are just on their phones or they have the nintendo with, switch or something they're doing spinners yeah they're their, doing real stuff and their pogs and their no pogs was us because we didn't have any type no, of electronic no. pokemon no, they, cards uh, like everything that was fantastic when i was a child had no electricness whatsoever except for the game boy and the game boy was like the greatest thing in the world and today I we would remember. stomp out a game boy because it's garbage I still remember the first kid who came to school with a Game Boy Color and how that was like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. How many colors are there now? There's like, three. There's three. Red, <laughs> green, and blue. My god. There's even... The, what? It's amazing. The Pokemon have colors? Uh, um, oh yeah, I do remember the Pokemon having colors. That's awesome. All right, so Spooner. Spooner signed today a two-year, $4 million a year deal. It is the twin of... The Nemestikov contract. And I need to say something off the bat right now. Off the bat. Okay. I'm saying it to you right now, right off the bat. 
Sometimes off the bat, just off the bat. Ryan Spooner wanted to stay in New York for two years. Kevin Hayes did not want to stay in New York for two years. Period. End of story. Everybody is asking why the Rangers would sign Ryan Spooner to two years and Hayes to one year. You're not playing NHL 19. You can't. These guys are not robots. And this is a lot more about Hayes than it is for Spooner. But Spooner wanted the second year. Kevin Hayes did not. Period. End of story. You can't force a player to take a deal they don't want to take. Moving back to Spooner, and this is actually another point that kind of has to do with Hayes. I am astounded. I would have bet you my bottom dollar. Nemestikov, Spooner, VC, um, Hayes, and Zabanajad would not all be on the team on the opening night roster. And here we are. That's exactly what's going to happen. And where I'm tying this back into Hayes is that I think this proves that all of the, oh, the Rangers should have traded Hayes stuff, the market just wasn't there. Because I don't think Gordon expected Nemestikov and Spooner to be here too, at least not both of them. And if there wasn't a market for either of them, there's not a market for Kevin Hayes. So am I surprised that Ryan Spooner's back? Yes, in a sense. I like Spooner. I think he's a good player. He's in that two-year window of we don't care. Anybody who's upset with the Spooner and Nemestikov deal or even the VC deal, I don't know what to tell you. It's the two-year window. The Rangers could sign me to a contract. It's a two-year window. It doesn't matter. So Spooner is going to be a safety net for the kids in case they're not ready. He's going to add some offense. The Rangers have a, a relatively deep top nine, which is actually kind of nice. So I like Spooner. I think he's trade bait. I think so is Nemestikov. But you should have zero concerns about Ryan Spooner being signed for two years, $8 million. None. And that's the end of my rant. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I think the, it is a relatively fair concern to worry if he's he's not a rental for the deadline. So he would have to go to a different suitor, you know, a team that's willing to pay that $4 million next year if he is moved at this upcoming deadline. And but do you think that's a ridiculous ask? Not really. I don't. Not at all, no. Based on um, the offense that Spooner's put up in his career, even if Spooner is a 45-point player next year, and I don't think that's ridiculous. It, it's probably on the conservative end, to be completely honest with you. He's worth no, that I mean, contract. He's, he's to a guy that teams would look at as, you know, a, a guy to spark a power play unit. You know, he, he and the Rangers can eat salary. They could just pour some blue cheese on that salary and just yeah, eat that, it. That's absolutely true. I think it's, I think some people might be thinking, oh, you know, maybe because of that second year in the contract, we go down from, let's say, just arbitrarily, like maybe there's eight suitors if he had a one-year deal, and now there's five suitors or something like that, right? But again, I don't see that as a huge issue. It's two years. It's Spooner. You're, you're getting, even if you get the bad Spooner, it's two years. Who cares? <laughs> the bad Spooner. And I don't think you're going to get the bad Spooner because I do think he fits well in – he's kind of what Quinn wants, right? He's a bigger body. He's a, he's a little bit – I wouldn't exactly call him a tough guy or a gritty player. but Yeah, but he's thick as a friggin' warthog. Are warthogs thick? <laughs> like Pumbaa from yeah, – P- Yeah, there you go. Pumbaa. He's 187 pounds and 5'10". Um, He goes, he's, I would not call him a physical player. I don't even know if I'd call him a gritty player, but I think he plays to the tougher areas of the ice. I liked what I saw 
from Spooner. I really I did. I don't see him as thick at all. His favorite animal is a giraffe. He has a giraffe tattoo. He's got a long neck. He has a giraffe tattoo? Apparently. But what does his favorite animal have to do with how thick he is? I'm just saying, if that's his spirit animal, if that's his Patronus in the Harry Potter world, that would kind of you would kind of glean that from his uh, his general physique. I guess so. When I see Spooner, I don't see a warthog. I see like a an emu or a you know a, a, another skinny bird with scrawny legs. See, I think if I th- I thought Spooner was a thicker He's player. Yeah, thick. I'm talking about thick. I'm talking about like seven pounds, five ten. I mean, yeah, that's thick. It's like linebacker thick. Can you stop if you saying add the word like thick? Just seventy pounds. Um, I, I like. I just. I. I think he brings enough that Quinn is going to like him. But that was the only point that I was trying to make. On last Mike, year's Rangers team, Joe. Before Mike shot it down. Ryan Spooner was in the bottom fifth in terms of the the weight of players. Yeah, but I'm not talking about I'm not talking about like weight. I'm talking <laughs> about build. Talking about? Like build. So I feel like he's he's a thick hockey player, that's all. You're this is now becoming a weird conversation. I just that's the maybe you, he You decide to say the word I thick. I did decide to play times. the word thick. I didn't expect you to just call me on it. I just I don't know. That's well, what I. That's what I think of when I see him. I'm like not, I said, I'm he's not. not he's not a gritty player. He's definitely. I wouldn't consider him a tough player, but I also don't think he's a finesse player. He's a perimeter player. Is uh, what he's he is. he's absolutely a perimeter player, but I do think he plays bigger than his frame, if you will. Well, I'm just sure. I'm just giving you the sense that I got well, from the 20 games that I watched him. This is exactly why I don't rely on the eye test alone. No, that's fine. Um, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just I just wouldn't have called him like, thick. A, a he's thick a thick boy. He's that's a thick all. player, thicker player. Like Zuccarello, I would say, yeah, he's he's a thick boy. You know, no, see, got... that's that's ridiculous. I wouldn't <laughs> got... consider Zuccarello thick Zuccarello's at all. Zuccarello's got Christmas hams for thighs. What are you talking about? No, that was St. Louis. St. Louis was thick. No, St. Louis and Zuccarello both have thick thighs. No, St. Louis was a monster. Zuccarello... Zuccarello's Zuccarello center like of a, gravity is unbelievable. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying... Zuccarello, I would never call Zuccarello a saying, thick then? player. Tell me what you're saying. Zuccarello's got that thigh gap that everybody's looking for. <laughs> the, the awkward silence after I said that is exactly is exactly what was earned <laughs> Zuccarello for Zuccarello's four inches shorter than Spooner and only eight pounds lighter than him. See, then that's that's interesting. Zuc- How much Zuccarello weigh? One seventy-five. Uh, buck eighty. Oh boy, he's a see you. that. All right, that you may have me. Thick. You may have me on that With one. Zuc- but see, the difference is Zuccarello. I would say does play a physical, gritty game. Yeah, he he takes hundred percent. He gives zero fucks for sure. He, so, and I don't think that Spooner plays that game ever. I don't think Spooner's ever played that game. Perimeter no. player is a good way to Spooner, put it. I don't like Spooner is the guy who's like using his stick to gather up the the dropped gloves of his teammates when there's a scrum. Right, but I do I I do think Spooner doesn't have any issues going into the tougher areas of the ice with or without the puck. And that was the, that was really the only point. He'll that I was go into the corners. I don't think he's a guy who goes to the front of the net. But that's because he likes to have the puck and look he likes to play. Yeah, he likes to work. He's with the not puck. looking for. You know the the Jimmy VC goals, but know. the corners are just as tough, maybe tougher in some instances than the front of you the don't, net. No, not in the modern game. I don't think so. Well, in the modern game, I'd say more than the older game, because in the modern game, that's where in, that's in where you're old... throwing your hits and you're getting physicals in the corners because everybody's moving towards yeah, the but puck. There used to be like felonies committed yeah, in front the, of the gold crease. What's the key word? What is the key word of what you just said? Used the word to. used yeah. used to be. It used yeah, to be. I'm, I know what you're getting at, but I I think it's still 
If I had a choice, if I was a little guy, I would choose to battle in the corners rather than, you know, get Nah, you get smashed get into in the boards. The it's the body and the boards. Forget that. Put me in front of the net. I'll take my cross checks and, you know, whack at some shins. Score a goal or two. How many teams put a little guy in front of the net, Joe? Oh, none. Why would you? I'm just saying. As a little guy, I think I'd rather be in front of the net than I would be in the corners. It's not now 15 years ago. I would never, I would skate away from the front of the net, even if I had the puck, if I'm a little guy. Because you're just going to get walloped. They're going to use their friggin' sticks like an axe and cut you down. But these days, it's all about speed and skill. You had to be real thick back then. You had to be thick. Yeah, really thick. Um, what, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Spooner being Sp- thick. Yeah, well, before this, the, that even brought that up. I just, I think Spooner is a good hockey player. I'm happy he's sticking around. I would have preferred the Rangers have, you know, I guess gotten good value for him. But it's very clear that that was not on the horizon because by every account possible, the New York Rangers tried to trade Ryan Spooner. Yeah, it's it's even you know when on a draft day when you know uh, Gort was getting interviewed and you know he was asked you know have you talked to the free agents and you know their agents and their camps and he said everyone but Spooner and like it, that in and of itself was kind of a pretty profound statement right that you know he was kind of the afterthought and now here we are Joe with Vlad and Spooner both being signed to longer term deals than Kevin Hayes. Uh, this is not at all what anyone I think expected. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I really, I highly, highly, highly doubt that Jeff Gordon, you know, saw this in the tarot cards like two weeks ago when he was trying to figure out, you know, what the hell to do with Kevin Hayes and you know getting Vlad signed and everything else. Like I, I, I find myself in disbelief that all three guys are signed and that. You know, Hayes is the guy who's has a one-year deal. I would have told you for sure that it would have been Spooner, especially after you and I kind of had that simultaneous uh, eureka moment where it's like, yeah, just let him get arbitration, one-year deal, done, trade him. You know, give him a contract he can get traded on. But, you know, it's also worth saying, by the way, to tie into that, that he might demand more of a return in a deadline day deal because he can be there for a second year, right? Like yeah, that's something that, that people people rarely give credit to that. It's not like you're trading a guy, you know, who has three or four years left on his deal and, you know, he might not be the same player in three years. Like, you can safely assume that from one year to the next, a guy is not going to change too dramatically. So I, I have no problem with two years for Spooner. It's fine. I think it's it's just very interesting the way this all unfolded. And, you know, looking at like the comparables, like like you said, is the the twin of the deal is you you got the same deal as Vlad. So, and you know, who, who do you think is more valuable? Who do you think is more likely, you know, to 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 maybe not be traded is a is an interesting question. But you know, Vlad's a year younger. Um, you know, they've both played roughly the same amount of NHL games, and you know, Spooner's been a little more productive in his career than Vlad. But you know, they're they're both kind of middle six guys so it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens with who's still there when the smoke clears but uh, does this bring us to the kevin hayes one-year contract finally i guess it does um so this is the the powder keg if you will of the three of them Uh, here's what we know we know that the new york rangers and kevin hayes were negotiating one of two options a one-year deal 
or a six-year deal, or a five, I guess a five- or six-year deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Larry Brooks reported that the ask was between $5.5 million and $6 million for the long-term deal. Um, Pretty reasonable. Yeah, I was about to say, Mike, that's uh, absolutely reasonable. Um, what the holdup appears to be, and this is my speculation, but it's easy speculation, is a no-movement clause or a no-trade clause. And as I put in my article today about the situation, which was wonderfully written, if I do say so myself, these guys are not robots on an NHL 19 screen. You're not negotiating with an AI. You're negotiating with a player and his agent who are very well aware that the New York Rangers have Philip Heedle, Leah Anderson, and Brett Howden in the wings And they are looking for flexibility at center somewhere down the line. So if you are Kevin Hayes and you have an option of signing a one-year deal that will take you directly to unrestricted free agency, whereas a 26-year-old, you hold all the cards to wherever you go and you will be overpaid by a million teams if you want to, or sign a five- or six-year deal with the Rangers knowing you're not going to get no movement or no trade clause protection and not have any control of your destiny, which would you pick? And this was the point that I was making before about Spooner. Hayes did not want a two-year deal. He wanted a one-year deal or he wanted a five- or six-year deal, and he got a one-year deal. Yes, this is unfortunate because it definitely hurts the trade value that the Rangers are going to have for Hayes. I would tell you with certainty that Kevin Hayes is not going to be a New York Ranger at this time next year. Um, the Rangers could examine a sign and trade with him as of January 1st. And that's something that I want to touch on later because I think there's a little bit of showmanship on this contract. But this is not, I, this is not a matter of Jeff Gordon not doing his job. Everybody's on him. If you knew this was possible, why didn't you trade Kevin Hayes at the trade deadline? Because you can't. If there's no market out there, there's no market out there. Tavares held up the market. Eric Carlson held up the market. The Rangers got less for McDonough and Miller because Carlson held up the market. And the same people who are bitching and moaning about the fact that Gordon didn't get enough back for McDonough would be the same people who would be complaining if Gordon moved Hayes in that type of an environment. The Rangers tried to move Hayes. They tried to move him at the deadline, and they tried to move him harder at the draft, and there was nothing available. There were rumors circulating about Hayes for weeks. Those don't come out of the blue. They don't come out of nothing. At some point, you need to trust that the deal wasn't there. I am as unhappy that you are, or as you are, that this is the way that it's falling out because I do like Hayes and I would have absolutely committed to him long term. But if the Rangers had to make a decision internally about Hayes and Zabanajad, who has no trade protection, by the way, they picked Zabanajad. And it is what it is. That's the decision they made. So if you want to be mad about the decision, you could be mad about the decision. But this ideology that, oh, they should have just signed Hayes to a long-term deal or they should have just given Hayes two years or three years, it's not the way that it works. There's two sides to a negotiation. And if Spooner and Nemestikov being back on this team have shown or proven anything to you, it should be that there was no trade market because they would not be here if there was. Hayes was in a situation where he happened to have a significant amount of leverage. 
because he would have went to arbitration happily, taken a one-year deal, and become an unrestricted free agent. If he was in a different scenario where there were RFA years that had to be bought out and there were all sorts of other things tying him to the Rangers, I think this would have been a different situation. But it wasn't. Hayes had the leverage and he used it. And he got a one-year deal at a little bit of an overpay. And again, I'll get into that after Mike talks. And it is what it is. You can be upset about it all you want. I don't know what you thought Gordon could do here. Go ahead, Mike. Well, yeah, I think I, I wanted to just point out, like, Jacob Truba, it was a name we've heard attached to the Rangers, you know, for a couple of years now, right? And Truba signed a one-year deal, $5.5 million. Um, Brock Nelson of the Islanders had a 19-goal season last season. Uh, you know, two years ago, he had a 20-goal season. 26 years old, he signed a one-year deal. Uh, also a 26-year-old forward like Kevin Hayes he signed a 4.25 million one year contract like you said Joe these guys it's not just automatic that a guy wants to sign you know that that big deal to keep him with with the team and there are always two sides of it I think what's what's so kind of intriguing about what's happened with Hayes is to me is what's in New York's system right now in terms of the organizational depth because I don't think enough has been said about, you know, how high the front office seems to be on Brett Howden um, and how, you know, he projects to be a middle six center, you know, more likely a third line center, but a very good third line center. And when you have that on top of, you know, Philip and Leas and then Mika Zibinijad, as you pointed out, is one of the two Rangers who signed past you know, the next few years, he's one of the few guys who's going to be here kind of long term. That's you're talking about a lot of centers already. And you already have Vlad in the organization and Vlad, no matter which way you cut it, was going to cost significantly less than Kevin Hayes ever would. And yeah, it gets it gets pretty it gets pretty interesting when you look at, you know, where Kevin Hayes fits in and whether or not the Rangers could have, you know, found a way to make him happy and found a price point that he would agree with. And I'm, I think what we learned here is that the two sides just had a different idea of what was happening. And this, you know, it goes without saying, really, that this is kind of the writing on the wall for Kevin Hayes' time in New York, which is a shame because he was really, you know, probably the best story to come out of last season, right, in terms of guys who, you know, <laughs> climbed their way to the top of the garbage pile and, you know, planted a flag on top of it and, and looked good, just, you know, in spite of everything unfolding around them. I mean, he had a great year last year. I was talking to, you know, one of my brothers about Hayes and the evolution in his game. Like, when he started, what were we saying about Hayes? He's like, oh, you know, one-dimensional, like, playmaking guy, pass first, doesn't shoot enough. And where are we now, a few years later? Kevin Hayes is a 25-goal scorer, a well-regarded two-way center, who, you know, not a first-line guy by any stretch, but like a very solid second-line center. Like, he's he's really done what you would hope a young center would do in this league. And, you know, he has a big body. He can He's great at five-on-five. Five. He, you know, just in spite of how good he is with his passing ability and playmaking ability. He hasn't really gotten a chance to make an impact on the power play. And, you know, if if a team can lock into that, then maybe Hayes looks a lot more like a $6.5 million center. I don't know. We'll have to see 
kind of what happens there. But this is uh this was a surprise to me. But I'm not um I'm not like picking my jaw up, up off the floor here. I feel like this was it felt like something spooky was going to happen. You know, with uh, Thursday was the the day of the arbitration, and you know this news you know unfolded just just the other day here, and now we're looking at Kevin Hayes with you know he's he's less than a year away from being an unrestricted free agent joe it's kind of a it's kind of a weird i don't think either of us really saw this one coming no i was definitely surprised when the brooks report came out but the more that you think about it and i I put this question to the banter today too put yourself in kevin hayes shoes yeah what would you do you know that this is something that's happening right and you You know the rangers are going to make a decision on you or zibanejad why would you sign a long-term deal without protection? Honestly, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. So when you look at him and you say, okay, I guess you don't have anywhere else to go with this, which is really what ended up happening, then that's what ended up happening. You can be upset about the situation. I'm upset about the situation. I don't want to see, you know... Hayes leave. I think Hayes is a great player. One of the better primary point producers in the NHL. I think Hayes is going to be the period biggest period riser. Period. Under Quinn this year. And I don't know. The Rangers, he's not going to be a Ranger next year. And if he is a Ranger next year, the Rangers are kind of effed because they have to they have to make unbelievable strides to keep him around. He's going to be twice as expensive because why wouldn't he test free agency at this point? Yeah, especially when, I mean, everyone and their uncle knows that, you know, Johnny Goudreau and Kevin Hayes would love to play together, right? I mean, if we're if we're placing bets on where he's likely to ha- end up, I mean, Calgary is a pretty natural fit. But the bottom line is there's plenty of teams that could use a second-line center, especially one coming off of a career year. And, you know, like, what does Hayes do? Like, you want a guy with size? You know, check. You want a guy who's under 30? Check. You want a guy who... You feel like you can say to him, all right, well, we're willing to commit to you and give you a big deal. He's a guy who's now ready for that, you know, in the right situation. He will sign that contract, but he's going to go where he wants to go. And like you said, he's going to seek, you know, protection for that contract because, you know, like a lot of guys who, who have accomplished what he's accomplished in his career, he feels he's earned that. And, you know, to some extent, I think he has. It's it's part of, uh, it's part of the you know, the, the salary cap and and the the rights that players have to the terms in their contracts and you know if i was in the nhl and i was a player i would like how how much money would you be willing to quote unquote leave on the table to have that you know that that security and 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 knowing that you're going to be where you want to be and i guess none of us really know until you know we find ourselves in those shoes but it's a to me i feel like this is this is kind of a I'm, I would hesitate to call it an unfortunate ending. It's just kind of unexpected, right? I mean, there's still a lot of potential for Kevin Hayes to become valuable assets for the Rangers. I think Brooks was saying, you know, something like a late first round pick is what Kevin Hayes is going to become. Um, if, if I'm misquoting, I apologize, but it is kind of you know thought provoking to me that. Uh, it feels like a lot of people are already running around kind of, you know, saying, you know, the world is ending because of Hayes signing this one year deal and how stupid it is and how big of a mistake it is. And 
but you know it's like you said joe there's there's a lot of factors at play here and just because this is a one-year deal doesn't mean this can't have a happy ending for the rangers in terms of a move that improves the team in the context of this rebuild, because that's really what we're talking about here. Right, and if nothing else, the Rangers have an unbelievable amount of trade assets for this trade deadline. They have Hayes, they have Spooner, they have Nemestikov, in a sense, they have VC. So there are options here for the Rangers to continue to make things happen. But I know a lot of people don't love hearing that, but it is what it is. The Hayes thing is unfortunate. I think Hayes may be one of, if not the most attractive piece on the free agent or on the uh, the trade market this year, which is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. And here was the other point that I was going to make. The, the Hayes AAV is a little bit surprising in that for a one-year deal, you'd think he would have gotten far less than $5.17 million because the Rangers could have absolutely played hardball gone into arbitration with a $4 million a year ask and have signed him to a $4.5 million deal. Um, What I think this is, is I think this is Gordon saying to Hayes, I will give you good faith money right now, but when it comes time to talk about other teams, I want to do a sign and trade with you if we move you. And that's where the Rangers are going to have the most value, right? That's where they're going to get the most value out of Kevin Hayes. And... He needs to be amicable to that because Hayes kind of holds the cards now. If he doesn't want to do a sign and trade, the Rangers are going to trade him as a pure rental, right? And why would you take Hayes as a pure rental if you don't know whether or not you're going to sign him long term afterwards? You're going to figure that out and then you're going to make an offer for him. A sign and trade would net quite a bit more money. Um, Maybe that's in the cards. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But this AAV seems like it's a little bit of a good faith showing from Gordon to Hayes that we're going to play ball right now. We want you to play ball when it's time for you to play ball. And, you know, who's to say? But I do think his time as a Ranger is over. And I think that's sad because I think he was a hell of a Ranger. And, uh, oof, he was, I think he's a good hockey player. I think he's a really good hockey player. So that's fun. You ready for questions, Mike? Rapid fire questions? I am ready. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I don't know. You know, we had other stuff we, we were planning to talk about this week, but we can talk about it kind of next week and as we kind of unfold all this news. And really, you know, we've been waiting for, you know, these RFAs to get done all all summer so far. And now, you know, we're, this is the last day in July that we're recording. And uh, now that it's all, it's all done. And... You know that's that's kind of crazy, but uh, we kind of have a better question mark idea of what next year's team is going to be. Yeah, question. Just, just kind of have to figure out what kids are going to be there, and you know what the hell they do with Hayes on an expiring contract and all that stuff. But yeah, let's 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 go ahead and dive into questions. I'm ready for questions. Dive into the questions, Alex Gardner. Day after Alex eight- Gardner. Day after eighteen nineteen trade deadline, who is playing on the wings for the New York Rangers? Do they move Kreider to try to maximize the return with two runs, a la Mac, meaning McDonough? Is Heedle kicked out to the wing? The whole forward group seems very wide open, but left wing, right wing are especially intriguing. Mike, go. That is an interesting call. I think Zook is gone. I agree. Uh, I think... I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Vlad sticks around, but Spooner is dealt. I feel like only one of them will go, especially now that Hayes is on this contract, right? Because 
I feel like Zuccarello will go and then Kevin Hayes will go. So you start to ask yourself, well, how many guys can they can they possibly ship out here? But you know, there's there's obviously Krides has that you know the two years left on his deal. Um, he's also 27, so he's a year older than Hayes. But you know, maybe like you said, Joe, and like it feels like the Rangers might want to make him a captain. Um, I get that sense too. Yeah, and uh, I I can't disagree with that given what we've seen um, from Krides, and you know he's coming off of a great you know uh, performance at the World Cup and everything. So I I I like not the World Cup, the World Championship. Um, You're so stupid. World Cup is soccer. Well, I was actually it's both, but yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I I feel like. It's the it's easier to answer the guys who will be gone, and that's why that's what I've been doing. But um, you know, VC I think will still be around. Uh, Jesper obviously, Booch will be around. <laughs> Cody McLeod's not going anywhere except for Hartford. And, He's not uh, going there either. Yeah, yeah, yeah I pretty pr- much agree with not. what you said. Um, assuming that Nemestikov and Spooner are wingers, which I think next year they will be, because I don't see Hedl or Anderson well, going. You kind of have to make them wingers. Yeah, right? I mean, um, I think Zuccarello's gone. I think Spooner's gone, and I think Hayes is gone. Or you know, what, call it one of Spooner slash Nemestikov. I think yeah, he's that's gone. where I stand. Yeah. So that would be my answer to that question. Alex Gardner. Patreon supporter, patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. Just a little bit better than if, yeah, if you're not donating, you are an awful person, according to Mike. That's not true. That's not Jim true. Dangles. Who would win in a cage match between you and me? As in Joe and Mike? Yes. I have a black belt, so I want that out there. You have a black belt in what? Taekwondo. You can't even say it correctly, so I, I doubt it. I would win. Um, <laughs> 100%. I don't know. Did did you grow up with brothers? I did not. No. See, I you may. Up, yeah, I that's grew up definitely wrestling a and thing. absorbing punches and and like a, being bitten. Like I I know how to, but I'm also a very gentle soul. As you, you are know, a gentle I'm a, soul. I'm also I have anxiety disorder and dep- like I have major depressive disorder. I might just be like I don't care to fight. I just let it happen. I don't think I'd be able to fight you in a cage match. No, I'm too charming. You don't want to fight me. No, I don't. But the, I then I, I, the minute I say that is the minute that you strike. Yeah, that's when I bite you right in your carotid artery. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, Mike did take on that dog, that giant dog with his sack of pennies. I, so I go to sleep with your blood drying on my face. Yeah, I think I'd win. Mm, Aiden Barr. What is the organization's <laughs> greatest need in terms of prospects? So he's asking by position. Um, greatest I would need. say right now, winger. Scoring wingers, yeah. Yeah, scoring um, wingers. I think they. You could also. You could also definitely make a case for right side D, but I would put the priority at scoring wingers, just because. Um, I mean, we love Booch, uh, and Booch is great and he's fun, but he's twenty three now, and uh, you know after Booch, like in terms of guys, we can call prospects without having to lie to ourselves you know there's the the european guys meskinen linquist who the hell knows what they're going to be and then of course you have kravstov um and then uh yeah i don't know there's not a lot else in the organization to be too excited about yeah, and it's I mean, really just kravstov to an extent because yeah, meskinen, big, meskinen and a... linquist are they're like yeah i think you could call meskinen a prospect oh they're 100 percent prospects but they're not like 
No, they're not future guys. They're not, yeah. Well, you're they are. They I mean, they're into, t- you're hoping they turn into third-line players. Yes, you're hoping they turn players. into depth players. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So, We're in agreement on that And one. I feel like that's that's why you and I are agreeing on this, is the there's a pretty clear need from an organizational standpoint to d- develop those scoring wingers. And it's I think it only adds fuel to the fire, the fact that the Rangers haven't done the best job of doing that in terms of... Uh, uh, history, <laughs> you know, in terms of actually developing guys like that. And the Rangers are very, very keen on bringing in elite talent via free agency. They haven't done a great job of developing it, especially when it comes to scoring line wingers. There you go. I think we're we're on the same page so far through Except these the questions. Fight thing. Well, yeah, we're, we're, uh... we'll we'll discuss the fight thing when we're fighting in the cage. Um, Josh Zarkin, after his preseason goal, he also had a shootout goal. What is the benchmark for how we should view Kravstov this coming KHL season? Um, you're looking for growth. You know, he's going to get a top six role and really be one of the guys on that team. So when you think about the the playoff season that he had, um, it's it's amazing, right? He, he had one of the high – actually, he had the highest under-20 um, goal-scoring playoffs in KHL history with 11 points in 16 games in the regular season Kravstov was what you would expect for a player you know of his age he had seven points in 35 games I think if you get if you get him around 0.4 points per game in the KHL I think that would be enough growth to justify it being a success anything above that I think would be just spectacular for a an 18 turning 19 year old in the middle of this season yeah, for for those who are curious, he plays for Traktor Chelyabinsk. Yes, yeah, I didn't uh, even want to attempt. There's no way I got that right, but you, that the logo of the team is a polar bear, Joe. That is that has bitten a hockey stick in half. It's just eating it. Just eat appears to be eating a, a hockey stick in half. Um, like you said, I you obviously I think the baseline is to look at. You know how much does he does he improve from that first season in the KHL? You know he played three games in 2016-17. Just erase those; those don't count. And you know a lot of people like to to look at you know his path compared to a guy like Panarin's. And I feel like that that's that's kind of a good guide, right? Is to look at you know the the path of other young Russian players, especially wingers who came up through the KHL, and to have an idea of. What they did, especially in terms of, you know, he's, we all know what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a first-line winger, is what the Rangers are hoping they found in Krastov. And that means we want to see him generate offense, put a ton of shots on net, and generate a lot of primary points. And be a guy who doesn't utterly depend on the power play, but can certainly do work on the power play. And... You know he's already off to a promising start, and like you said, we, we should he should be getting that that featured role on on Tractor, and I and I, I want to see, you know I want to see big numbers out of him, but I'm also I, I know enough to know that yeah you know be be relatively patient with him. He's he's going to turn 19 in December. You know he's still you know he's he's still very young, um, and you know the Rangers kind of knew what they were they were doing by drafting a guy who had a great playoffs you know he had that amazing playoff with six goals and five assists in 16 games uh last year in the khl and you know he has a lot of a lot of the you know the physical traits you want in a, in a big dominant winger but 
you know, he's also the sense is that he's still kind of a little bit of a diamond in the rough. He there's still some work to be done, right? So, you know, he's he's a little bit of a project, but his ceiling is you know out of the building high, sky high. And I feel like that it's an important thing. Like if he comes in at, you know, like you know a, a kind of mediocre season where let's say, you know, compared to, I don't know, it's I don't know enough about the KHL to know really the strength of his team because of course that's also a pretty big factor. I mean last year, you know, the leading scorer on his team had 42 points in 55 games, right? So, you know, how does that compare to the rest of the KHL? I'm I'm honestly not even sure. I mean, <laughs> we have to find a good way to measure what we would call success for him. You, you just really, want to see growth. You just I just want, want to see, see growth. growth. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where I was steering towards. We you, you don't expect him to put that. up Ilya Kovalchuk numbers. No, that would be nice, expect, though. It would be pretty nice. Just expect him to, you know, improve off of last year's numbers and really pay very close attention on, you know, how many shots he's generating and, you know, what his goal total looks like. And, you know, hopefully we'll get to see plenty of highlights of him doing things that we all believe he can do. And Yeah, I mean, let me tell you this. Yeah. If... if Krovstov has that 11 points in 16 game. If he brings that next year, it's uh, you, you. Your jaws on the floor. Honestly, so here's here's something to keep in mind, though, Joe. Which is, I just checked this very quickly. Last season in the KHL, um, among players who were under 20 years old, okay, under 20 years old, Eli Tolvanen, you know, the highly, highly, highly regarded prospect. Um, was the only player north of 13 points last season, right? So it's it's really hard to put up points yeah. in the KHL when you're a teenager. And you know Eli Tolvanen, for those that don't know, is one of like is a prospect for the Predators, and he's one of like a top five prospect in the league. A lot of people believe, and I'm one of those people, by the way. But I if we just want to see the growth and but we also want to set a realistic expectation which is why i took you know it took the couple seconds to actually look up what what a successful season might even look for for a teenager in russia and we all want to see the big numbers but let it let it come let it come and let's put this into perspective huge kid and with a ton of potential let it let it fall together here um artemi panarin who is widely considered one of the best players in the nhl right now at 18 years old and he's a little bit older than Kravstov. Kravstov is a middler player, which means his birthday is in the end of December. So he starts this year 18. He'll finish this year 19. Mm-hmm. Um, Panarin is born, you know, in October. So kind of the same yeah. deal with him. Uh, they're not the same age the whole season, whatever. In his 18-year season, Panarin had 18-year-old season. He had nine points in 20 KHL games. In his 19-year-old season, he had 21 points in 40 games. So just to show you you that, and that's a guy who had 82 points in 81 games last year in the NHL. So you don't necessarily need to have those explosive, you know, ridiculous junior year seasons that you'd expect from like a kid who's playing in the OHL. But I think if Kravstov has, like I said, 0.4, maybe 0.45 points per game, you're going to be you're going to be a very, very promising sign. Yes, that would be be like that would shut all the Wallstrom nonsense up immediately. Um, Tom Ertz Jr. 
Blue Shirt Banterer. Podcaster, what high-profile player will the Rangers acquire before the start of the 2019-2020 season? Oddly enough, I think it's Panarin because on the Blue Shirts Breakaway podcast, one of the three podcasts on the forum, August 25th at New York City, $20 free beer, and you get to listen to me and Mike along with the Garden Faithful and Blue Shirts Breakaway guys. The uh, Blue Shirt Breakaway guys had... um, Oh, God, I forgot his name now. The guy, yes, from the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, who said that there is a sense around the league that Panarin wants to be a New York Ranger. So there's that. That is that is fun. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 we've heard a, l- a little bit about that already. You know, that's kind of been kind of been the, 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 the rumor, the scuttlebutt that that's where he'd like to be. And, yeah, that would be fun. Obviously, I think that Panarin is is the right guy from that from the upcoming you know free agency neck meaning next summer's free agent pool that you kind of want right um he's a you know, top 10 or top 15 player in the league depending on who you ask and yeah i, I like i likes me the panarin plenty um i i feel like that would be it also you also kind of have to ask yourself like all right well, we want to talk about guys who are young enough where it makes sense to have them around for a team like this. And I I feel like Panarin is, is just the right age where he's right inside that range where it would still make a lot of sense. He also, you know, doesn't have too much wear and tear in terms of, like, you know, the, the NHL physicality game, of the which NHL. Is a, a great deal more physical than the KHL. The so. thickness of the NHL, if yeah, you will. Yeah, a, a lot of thick boys. A lot of thick. A lot of thickness. Um,. Yeah, I would, that's my bet. I don't think Panarin helps them this year, but I think if you get Panarin next year and you kind of revamp things because there are a lot of free agents, there's a lot of maneuverability that the Rangers can make, I think it makes an enormous difference. I really do. Dan Carosi, which Rangers prospect are you most excited for, either next season or in the near future? Do we consider Heedle a prospect still? We have to, right? You have to. It's Heedle for me, and then it's Kravstov. And then, actually, you know what? Kravstov and Ke'Andre Miller are kind of on the same level for me. I think, Ka- yeah, that's that's my answer. I like that. For me, it's... Um, Ryan Lindgren, it's, your favorite defenseman of all time. It's Heedle and then Libor Hayek. Ooh. Um, actually, Hayek is another good one. And I like Hayek just because... I feel like he he could be that that you know second pair or first pair two way guy who plays the kind of game that like you watch him playing he doesn't make any highlight reel plays like you know like a Roman Yossi or something but then at the end of the game you you look at the box score and you like you look at the the possession numbers and the the zone exits and everything and you go like holy crap he was just he's like you know just a robot just makes nothing but solid plays robot and you need. Good old robot. Developing a guy like that would be fantastic, and it would also make, I think, a lot of people feel a little bit better about that. You know, the big uh, McDonough trade, and that's not the real reason why I'm excited about him. I, I after watching a little bit of him play, and you know, reading the scouting reports and doing some homework on him, he, I feel like there's very good reason to be excited about him, especially because he is pretty close to being, you know, at the NHL level. You know, he's he's going to be trying trying to make some noise in this upcoming training camp, and you know, Heedle, 
I was lucky enough to see last season live in the Rangers preseason Heedle score that uh that overtime winning goal and uh getting named first star and that was that was all I really needed to to get on the the Philip Heedle train. Uh, he's he's definitely an exciting player. I I still I, I still have that weird gut feeling that he'll end up, you know, playing wing at the NHL level, but uh, after Hayes signing a one-year deal, I'm not so sure now. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, way more. Speed round. Uh, Andrew May. Chances Tyron and cracks the roster out of training camp. I'm going to say, at, at this point, zero. Four percent. Yeah, there's no... I mean, I'm not going to say zero. I guess I'll say three percent. Um, there's price just right. a, a Price is right to do. Yeah, I did. There's just no... There's no, like, for what? You know what I mean? What is he going to specifically do uh, that they don't the team already have? Lettieri or Meskinen or Lindquist yeah. or I think Valesky. I think one of the problems that Ronning is facing is he's a small guy, he's a hard worker, and he put up, like, ridiculous goal totals in the WHL. And there's this expectation that he's going to be that guy. Like, if, if he scores 20 goals for Hartford next year, it's an enormous win for him. Oh, and I think people need to. Yeah, too. I think people it need to be, realize that. That would be rock solid if if he proves himself to be rock an AHL solid. level goal scorer. That that tells you he can be a depth NHLer one day. Rock lobster. Just just let it you know let it happen. A lot like you know Kravstov in, in the KHL. This is just like another version of that, right? Just yeah. further down the line, where a guy like you know Ty Ronning, who's twenty. Keep in mind, he's 20. He's not in any. It's, there's no rush here. Like Lettieri, for context, is 23. Let 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 him kind of figure it out in in the AHL. You know, he has three AHL games under. No, I'm sorry, he has 15 AHL games under his belt because he played. Uh, what was it? 12. Yeah, he was two long. years ago. Yeah, um, but only three last year. So you know, let, give him some time. Give him a little bit. Of, yeah, just a little bit of time. He'll be all right. He's just um, a little Michael Silvers, how would another significant injury to Zibanejad, which would be three in three years, factor into whether or not the Rangers decide to change course and keep Hayes? Or do you think it's pretty much cut and dry that Hayes is gone by the deadline regardless? So Zibanejad's injuries are the femur, breaking the femur, and the it was a concussion, right, last year? He has a couple of concussions. He, he, yeah, he's had a bunch of concussions through his career. I think if he has another concussion, uh, you have to start having the discussion. But, like, I don't – they're not – it's not like he has chronic – back injuries let's say or like marion gabrick who had um you know chronic groin injuries before he came to the rangers so i don't think that's a factor i think hayes is gone i I think that's the writing is on the wall is there it's a foregone conclusion to me that hayes is gone regardless of what look at us we're on on the same page today jason silberman great podcast guys that's how you get your your goddamn question read although we read all all the questions um guess for captain of the rangers next year also hank sticking with us during the rebuild but do you think he needs the team to be competitive to an extent for that to continue to be the case um no on hank i think hank likes new york i think he loves the idea of being a, a forever ranger um i think he knows his number is probably going into the rafters when all is said and done and uh, as much as he wants to win, I think he he had an option to get out and he didn't take it. And I think that says a lot more about where his head's at than anything else. Uh, I think Kreider. Kreider's going to be the captain. That's my guess. Mike? I The more I think about it, the more I like that pick, Joe. I feel like next year it's no captain or Kreider, really, is where I stand now. Um, I would have said Zuccarello a couple months ago. Um, and I feel like I was saying that plenty, but... 
I, I just I don't think we've heard enough or seen enough of Zuccarello. Like uh, I know Quinn, not sure Quinn even met him um, yet this off season. So um, there's just uh, I feel like it's likely Crides or I also expect Shattenkirk to wear a letter and uh, you know stall to keep his A and. I feel like that's that's kind of what's going to happen. Crides will wear an A and maybe eventually the C, but we'll have to kind of see. Uh, you know, Crider being captain, you know, makes a lot of sense with Quinn behind the bench and given Crider's history with the team. Chris, I don't really wear glasses. That's his name. It's a good name. Really oh, actually, I skipped over somebody, but we'll go to Chris first. With Stastny gone from the Jets and with the way their contracts played out, could we see a deal involving Hayes slash Truba with any other pieces needed? Um, you know, that's po- that's a possibility because both teams would be inheriting risk of a player who's a UFA, although I think Truba's an RFA next year, Hayes is an UFA. What I do think, though, is Winnipeg is very cognizant of the fact of what they are and where they are, which is Winnipeg, and I don't see Kevin Hayes wanting to resign there. Do you get more of a chance if you show him what it's like for a year? Yes, but I think you're much more likely, if you're going to see a move for Hayes before the year begins, I think you're much more likely to see that move at the beginning of the year with Columbus for Panarin than you are with Truba for the Jets. Mike? I line up with you. Uh, I did check. Truba will be an RFA. Uh, oh, I know. Like, it would be it would be fantastic. Uh, Truba for Hayes straight up, just especially because Truba is an RFA. But uh, I don't see that happening. I mean, that would again, it would be pretty great. Um, and it would certain like you know the Jets definitely need a center, and the Rangers definitely wouldn't mind another guy who on the right side who can play even if. You know, they might not necessarily be in the position where they want to be handing out long-term deals after signing Shea to what they signed him to. But, uh, yeah, I, I I just feel like it's he's going somewhere. Um, I'm, I, don't, I don't see why Winnipeg would be where he wants to go. Like I said, I feel like Calgary makes a ton of sense for him. And... Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I stand. I yeah, and like the you, same you type of... on everything I wanted. The to same say. vein, Anthony McHale... McHale? Asked Hayes to Winnipeg for Christian Veselainen, who was their first-round pick um, at the end of the first round last year, uh, 2017, and the conditional pick we got from Tampa Bay, which would be a second that turns into a first if they win the Stanley Cup. I just I, the same thing. I don't think I don't think a team like Winnipeg is in the running for Hayes because I think they know they're not going to be able to keep him long term. So, um, yeah. Unless you have anything to add, Mike, I'll go to the next question. No, moving down the line. Larry Bubbs, does Hayes simply not want to be a New York Ranger anymore? Again, I I think the reality here is Hayes would have loved to sign a long-term deal in New York, but the Rangers didn't want to do it without, you know, no protection. And Hayes wanted to control his future. I don't think it has anything to do with Hayes not wanting to be in New York. I don't think it has anything to do with Hayes being lazy. I think it has everything to do with the fact that Hayes and his agent are well aware of the reality of the situation, which is that there's a a glut of centers and there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is going on and he's not in the long-term plans. I think, you know, again, I don't want to just reiterate everything you're saying, but I just want to build off of that and say, you know, Guys, there's a lot more that goes into contracts than just being like, I don't want to be in New York. I mean, maybe what was most important to Hayes is that job security, is that contract security, is the idea of knowing, you know, he's a 26-year-old, you know, center who's coming off a career year. He wants to sign 
that contract where he's going to be for the you know the, the his money contract right that's what that's the next contract he's really thinking about so if the rangers weren't able to offer him you know that contract that a guy his age is looking for you know that six year deal where he makes the bulk of his money in his career then you know it, it's pretty clear that that just that's not just on Kevin Hayes the the rangers were the the second party in this and it, there must have been enough distance between the two parties where he said all right I'll take the one year deal and I'll see I'll see where it goes from there and that's that's kind of where it goes from I mean Joe you and I don't know Kevin Hayes uh, we don't know if he, if he just hates New York I don't think that's the case I don't think that's the case either I don't think that's the case at all no I absolutely do not um you would have known if that was the case for it sure would have, yeah it would have been something that you know slowly you know oozed out of you know the you know the locker room through Brooks or someone else with or almost only Brooks really is the only one who would do that kind of digging um but yeah I don't think that's the case final question Clem Fandago, and this is my this is the joke that I've gotten a million times. What's the return the Rangers will get at the deadline for trading Hayes to Tampa Bay? Ah, <laughs> I get it. Uh, 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 I don't really have an answer to that because in reality he's not going to Tampa. So let's do this. Where do you think Hayes goes at the deadline, Mike? I've already said like five times the show. Mm, well, I didn't hear any of them. So Calgary is my guess. See, I think if I disagree, because Calgary is not going to be a contender. They might, they might convince themselves that they're a Kevin Hayes away from being a contender. I guess. I feel like that's the most likely location as of today. As of the trade deadline, I would have a different guess, but I can't tell you what that is. One Winnipeg. more question from Dave, true New Yorker. Other than I was in the middle of answering the question, you son of a bitch. <laughs> which <laughs> Ranger do you see improving most next season? It's got to be D'Angelo Hayes. I hope Hayes. it's Joe Fortunato. That's what I hope. Oh, it could be me. David Quinn, like, beautiful minds me. He gives you better, me a sandwich. You better improve if you, have, if you have any hope in that goddamn cage of a match with me. I'm going to bite your ear off and spit it down your throat. You know what? I'm going to make you swallow your own ear, and then I say, can you hear me in there, in your stomach? I'd say it right to my stomach. Um, anyway, again, the forum, August 25th. I'll post the link to it. I didn't to answer it. that last question. What are you, you doing? You did answer the question. No, I didn't. Oh, you were just yelling? What's your answer? I don't even care anymore. Ryan Lindgren, that's your answer. That's Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Alex Gardner, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Eric Cohen, Alexander, Alexander Ricard. Yes, my guess. Under Quinn? You're picking a goalie? Yeah, just because fuck you, that's why. How's that? Daniel DeGene, Matt, ba- <laughs> Matt Bader, 50, Guy from Montana, Stink Fleeman, Keith Franchillo, Mike Offit, Trevor Kempner, Gabriel Vargas, Fancy Lawrence, Dan Carosi, David L. Singer, Andre Chicagoff, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Tall Guy Robert, Scott Potash, Chris Habibi, James Dangles, Danny Santiago, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlovsky, Thomas Osa, Crispy, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating. You Thank are you so much, awesome. everybody. You're great. Absolutely tell your friends great. about the, the live show. Yeah, I'm tell your friends about the live show, the cry. forum. So... The link will to purchase will be sweating. in um, in the article Honestly, that's going up about fun. this. You're listening to this. You're going to know. So it's going to be great. Do it. Um, Mike is a whale. And I... At least I'm not a jerk. I am a colossal squid. Colossal squids that fight with the sperm whales down deep into the ocean. As far as we know, those are like... It's a 50-50 match. We're not sure which ones win all the time. Just like the cage you know match. What? The sperm whales are often found with the, 
the tentacle scars on them, which would lead us to believe that they win more often than not. Or the squid just allows them to live because it's friends with Why? them. I just... Uh, so there's sometimes when I just want to take a wiffle bat and hit you right in the teeth. Well, good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>